0: Welcome to Feeding Frenzy, a podcast brought to you by the Breastfeeding Resource Center. The BRC is a nonprofit organization in Abington, Pennsylvania. We're here to provide support on various parenting topics to help you get through the roller coaster ride of parenting. I'm your host, Colette Acker. Let's take this journey together. Hello and welcome to Feeding Frenzy by the Breastfeeding Resource Center. I'm Colette and I have again with me today, Louisa helping me out with the podcast. And today we're talking to two women, Sarah Gibson and Samira Brogdon, and they are both birth doulas, and we wanted to talk a little bit more about what it means to be a birth doula and how they help in their community. So welcome, you guys. Hello. Hi. Why don't you take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you became interested in being a birth doula? I'll
1: go first. So I, my name is Sarah Gibson. I'm a full-spectrum doula. Um, I do prenatal education as well as attending births, and I do postpartum care and education as well. I'm also an IBCLC, and uh, I help quite a deal with breastfeeding and um, my doula support. Um, what led me to be a doula is honestly having children. Um I started out, uh, as a breastfeeding peer counselor. Um, I got my training through maternity care coalition and it just turns out I had a bad experience breastfeeding my oldest child who is now 16 and my youngest two who are 10 and eight. Now I breastfed them fine. And then I realized that the education and the, the support I got in the hospital when I had the baby 16 years ago, um, led me lost in the sauce when I got home. So of course, breastfeeding um, wasn't going to work out. So after a couple of months, I was led to the Breastfeeding Resource Center. (laughs) (laughs) And Colette was one, (laughs) you helped me, and quite, quite a bit. And, but by that time, despite our efforts, I mean they were great ones. I mean, there were some certain times she would breastfeed. I remember you suggested breastfeeding in the bathtub, which was all great. The big one. <laughs> and Who was... knew? Yeah. And that's what that's the only time she latched. We couldn't take a bath every two to three hours. <laughs> yeah. So I continued to pump and all of that. But my other two babies, they breastfed correct. I mean well, I wouldn't say correctly, but they breastfed um, like champs coming out, you know. And I didn't have much issue. I did take my second baby to breastfeeding resource center just for some reassurance and some tweak on the left nipple, you know. But other <laughs> than that, everything was fine. And I breastfed my my uh, youngest, no no issues, and I breastfed him till three and a half. So that's what led me to it. Really worked then, huh? Yeah, really. Yeah. Too
0: much. Too much. <laughs> well, and I think that's how many of us start in this field is, you know, becoming a parent and going through all the, that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You really gain a passion for it. Well, thank you, Sarah. What about you, Samira? Introduce yourself. Okay. So my name is. I started in lactation and I wanted to
2: figure out another way to be helpful. I went to a breastfeeding support group, and because my son had a tongue tie, and I had no, I had no idea, and like the hospital was not very helpful. Um, but at the support group, I met Stephanie Brown, and they worked for the Breastfeeding Research <laughs> Center at the time. <laughs> yeah, they put me in touch with Cola, and it has just been amazing. And I was like, "Well, okay, this is amazing. So, what's next?" and then someone else was like listen there's a doula training being offered and i was like another way to help and so i jumped right on that and i just
0: i love it here that's wonderful yeah it's so it's so uh you feel good after a day's work when you help people while not all are perfect uh, (laughs) you do feel rewarded So I chose the two of you because I really wanted to talk about the disparities and um, within the Black communities. And you both, people can't see you, are both Black women. And um, do you predominantly work in the Black community with your um, doula services? Yes, I do. Yeah. And, And did you choose that for a reason? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so personally, I did.
2: Um, I am a black woman myself, and so I know what it's like to be a pregnant black woman. I understand um, how we are treated differently. While I was pregnant, I was in the housekeeping, and I I remember at one of my appointments, I said, "Listen, you know, I'm on my feet a lot. The baby's heavy. Like, what are your suggestions to help me?" to, like, carry this weight so that I can continue to work. I need to work. And the doctor's like, I'm not taking you out of work. I said, I- I'm not asking you to take me out of work. I'm uh, care- yeah. how to carry the weight. Is there something we can do about my belly to make sure that, like, I'm not in a lot of pain and, you know, I can, can- continue to work throughout my pregnancy? And she's like, I'm not taking you out of work. Ugh, gross. Time. I am not trying to get out of work. I do not have a problem working. I just need some help. Yeah. yeah. And well, you know, pregnancy is not a disability, so I'm not going to give you disability. Wow.
0: Okay. Three, yeah. times. Three, Three
2: times. Three times. And she was not helpful at all. Like, that That was it. I'm not giving you disability. I don't, I'm just looking for assistance.
0: But all that she heard was that I wanted to get out of work. So, so she wasn't her. even listening. That's number one. Mm-hmm. You're not listened to, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's a big one. Um, Sarah, any reason for you? Well, when I first
1: started out, like I said, I was with Maternity Care Coalition. So I took I I was contracted to work for them and that um, those moms that I supported were typically black families. Now, also, in addition to that, I recently had graduated from Temple College of Public Health with a public health degree and been very well-versed in helping to support underserved communities, typically the black ones. And that was very important to me. And knowing that the maternal uh, mortality rate for black women is super high, um, that that just did it for me. So I, that's how I support based on that and um, continue to support um All families, but I, but especially the black ones who need it the most. Um,
0: And so tell me a little bit how it works. If they, if somebody wants a doula, they give you a call. What, how how does this all work? And what does the whole package, you know, comprise of? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it all depends on, um, What you, well, a lot of doulas nowadays have their own doula businesses where you pay a fee to get a doula, unfortunately, because even though doula support is so important and everybody should have it, um, it's not, you know, uh, covered by insurance of any kind. So, um, you know, doulas pay, you know, you will pay services or there are people or organizations that work, that offer free doula support. And, I mean, you get a little lesser pay, but at least um, you are supporting those families who need it, you know.
0: Right. So the ones in Philadelphia, we have, you are working with, you're both working with Change of Heart.
2: Yes. program.
0: program, um, which we can talk about that. And there's, is PALS still available? PALS is still available. And so that is also free, right? I believe PALS is free. Yes. Yeah. So it's you have these organizations who develop these doula programs and you can work for them and provide services or start your own business. Yes. Yes. And so you typically do like prenatal care, just education and you do that virtually or in person.
2: So it depends. Maternity Care Coalition also offers doulas and so you are matched with them usually by zip code like you get to choose Who you think is going to be a good fit, if you're willing to travel to them. Um, Some doulas do home visits. Some people prefer home visits. And some people are like, I meet you at the store somewhere. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I want to get away. Um, (laughs) And then it looks like maybe four or five prenatal visits. And this is just talking about expectations, what we want the birth wishes to be like. Okay. Um, do you want to breastfeed? What's your pain management like? What do you want to do? Um, if they are comfortable with having you in the room, then you are there for labor and delivery. Great. And if they want to breastfeed, then you can support them in the beginning of their lactation journey.
0: And so how is it in a hospital setting working with um other healthcare professionals? How are they receiving to, you? To receiving you. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> I- I happen to be perceived and received very well. Um, so when I come in, I know that there is a lot of stigma around doulas and, and the creating issues for hospital staff to do whatever it is they want to do and to make their jobs easier. So, you know, there's that. Um, but I go in and I'm like, I'm here to help you. We need to move the patient. and You know, I offer support to the hospital staff. So therefore they are a lot more welcoming to me because I'm helpful to them. Um, And then that actually allows me to ask more questions, you know, those impeding questions that a lot of people don't want doulas to, you know, um, be involved in. And I, you know, and it's okay. I just create relationships that work for me to help the patient. So, you know, I'm like kind of a sales agent. (laughs) 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 That's, (laughs) I mean, that's how I do it, you know. And then in addition to what Samira said, there's also letting patients know about consent. Like, you know, there are certain things that um, you don't have to consent to. Um, But of course you are, you know, coerced into something. Some things are uh, definitely... Step in here, Samira. I don't know. So some things that uh, doctors and and hospital staff are, um, you know, it's 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 beneficial to your health at times, you know. But there are some things that may not be so
0: necessary.
1: Um, necessary. Oh. There you go. And okay. uh, you know, and I let them know that it's okay to ask questions, and that's a big part too. Being comfortable asking whoever is caring for you a question. Don't feel like any question is a stupid question. If you want to know about your health, you want to know about your your care and your the you know the the uh health of your baby it's okay to ask
0: and that's such a vulnerable time in your life when you're in labor and you can't make decisions without help. Um when you Sometimes you don't know the questions to ask. Right. You know yeah. I
3: you know it's my first are like we need to give them formula for blah 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 reason. I'm like oh, okay and now mm-hmm. I'm like I don't know if that was a good enough reason. And, but you just think everyone's there for you, you know, to benefit you. And so I think as a a doula, what I think of when I think of doulas is kind of like advocating for moms and families of just, like you said, like I didn't ever think to go, well, why are we giving formula? But I think if I had a doula, they would either one explain to me, Louisa, this is why it's important that this baby be supplemented, or these are some other options, which I think you don't, what is it, you know, you don't know until you don't, you don't know what you don't know kind right. of a thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you have this experience just being mothers and, and just being doulas and knowing what questions to ask. Cause I think most people don't know the question to ask.
0: They yeah. Just and So you've already met with this Person five other times, and you know what they want. And so, having that knowledge gives you a step up to help to support her.
1: Yeah. Unless you're the backup doula. <laughs> I, I've met a, a couple of moms as a backup, and they're yeah. already in labor. And I'm like, hello, nice to meet you. I'm your doula. Yeah. And <laughs> five minutes to tell me what you, you want. give me a little rundown?
0: <laughs> yeah. Give me a little rundown. What you're looking for. Right. Oh, my gosh. And so, Some of the families that you work with, um, do they not have a support system or they just want the extra support of a doula?
2: So some of them do not have a support system. Um, And those are always, for me, those are like my toughest clients because you don't have, now I want to be here and I want to hold you and hug you and just do all the things (laughs) and I cannot do all the things. I cannot do other things. Um, but it does show me um, what we're missing in, in our community and how many people do not have support. Yeah. And it just makes the disparities like glaringly obvious because when you have these people who don't have support and you hear what they're being told at their appointments and, you know, the fear tactics that are being used, it's, it's just really sad. But also these are the most rewarding instances where you get to support this person and you can say, Hey, actually X, Y, and Z so that, you know, that you matter here, you are a person and you get to say, no, thank you. Or you can say, Hey, you want to induce me, but is there a medical reason why? And then they go, you know, at this point everybody's looking like, well, you have questions. I do have questions. I have a doula. And then it's like, Oh, Oh. Uh
0: Well, and I was talking to someone the other day who mentioned how much, They loved Samira when she's a doula over at Temple. (laughs) So, and how much does cultural competency come into play? Um, You know, do you see that, that that's needed that, you know, understanding the culture that the person lives in? Yes, Muslim families and
1: May not hospital that is, um usually communicated. Prior I'm sorry, to, Sarah, i sorry,
0: um, Sarah. You guys glitched for a minute. Do you think you I'm... could re- sort of repeat what you said? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no problem.
1: So I, I've helped a few Muslim families, and typically in in their religion, they don't. Um, the, the the women the women are covered and they don't necessarily want males to come into the room so some of the hospital staff are alerted that you know we don't want a male to come in and they have signs on the door and they're communicated with but sometimes they in their yeah, way in
3: they just walk um, right in right
1: yeah and um I remember oh. supporting someone that I think he felt he wanted to make them feel comfortable with his presence. So he kind of like was in the background and was like, well, you know, I've supported this many babies and I, I'm a dad and and I'm, and I was so annoyed by him, but of course I did not, I didn't show that.
3: Yeah. But, like they don't understand. That's not what that was about. It wasn't about your experience yes. level. It was just more cultural. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and then I had a, a birth where everybody respected that, you know, that situation. Um, and no male came into the room, but, you know, it all depends on the hospital too and who's on staff. So there's that part, but, um, but yeah, it it is important to respect people's culture, you know, and Mm -hmm. make them feel comfortable and make them feel, um, like they're a priority as a patient in the hospital.
0: Can you give me an example of... Another example of some type of cultural thing in the black community that is ignored or not known about that maybe needs to be addressed. Um, so I think about communication styles when you
2: say being culturally competent. so, I know that, like, I've spent time with this person. I'm going to meet them where they are. I'm going to explain things in a way that I know they're going to understand. It's probably not going to sound like what the doctor said at all. Right. Right. Um, And so I had a client and she was like, she was asking about a Foley bub. And so I was like, you know, the animal balloons that you blow up, it's sort of like when it's wet, it kind of looks like that. And so the nurse hops in and she's like, it doesn't look like a balloon. And then she pulls it out and then she's like, oh, it's a balloon and this is what we do. And I just stared at her because we're saying the exact same thing, but I don't speak our language and how we talk to each other in a way where she can visualize what's happening. The nurse could have, before I started explaining, of course, pulled it out and just
0: showed her. But, you know. You know, and you know, these are things that these workers do every day. And right. it's so commonplace. And, you know, I feel like even in lactation, I've reached that point where I'm like, oh my God, you have to tell people to break the suction. I thought like everybody in the world would right. know that <laughs> at this point, you know. What are it's you doing, right? Yeah, it starts, you're like, doesn't everyone know about this by now? Um, and so I think that happens in healthcare a lot that these, everyday things that they do become so commonplace and, you know, they forget that it might be scary, you know? (laughs) I
3: think we see that with jaundice a lot, you know, Google jaundice and it's kind of scary. And they're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, your baby has jaundice. And then, but they don't explain it. And it, Mm -hmm. and that can be really scary. And I think because we do have young people Googling and, and not being just, and sometimes I think they just, use big words. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's just how they're learning in this very, you know, technical, you know, way and using these words that just like you're saying, like just explaining to her, it's kind of like a balloon. And when they open it up, like it, it's the same thing, but just make it so it's uh, relatable or understandable because not everybody knows you know, what an invaginated nipple is. And when you see that, you're like, oh my God, I have a what? You know, like people don't know what that means. And that can be a little scary and it's not a big deal to have an invaginated nipple. But, you know, you hear that, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Right? Are you? I also have
1: to, uh, you know, when patient is given like a load of heavy information, you know, uh-huh. regarding the labor and birth and, you know, they give time to think about it. And that staff leaves the room and then we just have a conversation about what was said, you know, and how in the way they can understand. Um, and as best as I can, them feel comfortable with receiving the information and making a sound decision for themselves as well. Like I kind of talked them through some major things about uh, we can give you C-section now or we can wait a few hours and then we kind of have like a game plan of what the patient wants to do and ultimately it is about the patient but it is our job to make sure the patients uh, understand how to advocate for themselves, all the right questions to ask, um, knowing what consent is and being able to create their own birth plan around that and then understand that the births aren't always going to happen the way they imagined them to. Um, I myself had two emergency C-sections, my first and last. So I was like devastated at the first one um, because I thought I was going to have her in a pool, you know, but I (laughs) had to learn over time that these things and I can share my experiences as a mother, as a birthing person, what I went through and it also helps in my work as well.
0: Sure. Are are there any misconceptions or myths about childbirth within the Black um, community? Hmm. Like is,
1: well, as far as you know, our pain levels are concerned, for whatever reason, um, hospital staff and docs, and you know, even when I get my own. Care they don't understand our level of pain, and they think that we can handle more pain than anyone else.
0: I, find, I find that so weird, I'm boggling. like that mind-boggling. Like that. That's the weirdest thing in the world. um You know, I remember um, I was listening to a webinar. I can't remember who the speaker was, but she had lots of pictures of black women with breastfeeding problems, with mastitis, and you know, next to. Well, White woman's breast with mastitis and obviously looked much different. Um, The white skin was flaming red while the dark skin wasn't didn't look that bad. So, you know, she was saying that sometimes that can impact how we perceive, you know, wow, it doesn't look as bad as when I've Uh. seen a white woman have mastitis. But that whole thing is so bizarre. And do you know where that stems from? A belief that you don't feel pain as much as a white person does? Is there any history behind that one? I believe
1: that, you know, we have been groomed to think that we can, you know, we've been made to work very hard, you know, especially um, in the past, you know, where we would have our own children. We breastfed other, we breastfed white babies, right. you know, and, and we had to work in fields of, you know, terrible conditions and, And and, and
0: we we survived. survived. Yeah. So you must be stronger. (laughs) You must not not feel pain. Exactly.
1: So I believe it stems from that.
0: Well, and and about that, like, (laughs) Black women were the midwives for everyone. And so, you know, it's it's so hard to believe that now there's, you know, this um, generation of Black women have gotten so far back in the world of birthing, where, you know, you're trying to educate them and advocate for them, when before they were either knew about it, because it was right right. there happening, Uh, their mother or their aunt or their grandmother was the one helping to birth the Mm -hmm. babies. Mm -hmm. And that's just like the saddest thing. Are there um, a lot of home births that you attend? I've never
1: uh, attended a home birth, but I have attended births at a birth center. And that's, and that was so amazing. I actually had got to support my niece, um, or my niece is about a year old now, down in Atlanta, the, the Atlanta Birth Center. And it was such a beautiful experience. And I was there as a doula and of course auntie, but I didn't, those midwives there were just like amazing. There were so many things that they do in the hospital that they would never have even suggested. Like, for instance, when you have um, group B strep and they uh, they give you the antibiotics, you know, normally you would have an IV attached to the entire birth. Um, and in my niece's case, they had she had an IV in her arms had the syringe and then they came in every four hours and gave her the antibiotic and then they moved on with their
2: lives. So well, that she can move around
0: be. and be more comfortable mm-hmm. to help yeah. her. She it's was little things to- like that, that mm-hmm. can make a huge impact. Yes. Um, yeah. The minute you're hooked up to anything and you can't move around, you can't birth. Can't
3: birth. Yeah.
0: It's and, very- and it's the
3: first thing that happens when you walk in to a hospital situation is you're put on an IV pretty mm-hmm. much. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you are set up to stay in the bed I have had the pleasure of attending a home birth. Um, One of my close friends wanted me to be her doula, and she gave birth on all fours in her bedroom. Her baby came out, and then she just, it was so beautiful. She just, she stayed on all fours, the baby just looking, and we just patiently waited for her placenta to come out. And then she climbed into her bed. The baby was able to latch, and it was just an amazing experience.
3: Like what it should be.
0: Uh-huh. yeah so how many of your clients you know uh I don't know if you know this percentage or whatever choose to do uh unmedicated births
1: <laughs> off the top I'm going to say I've supported uh I'm going to say 65 percent usually get an epidural
0: okay that's yeah. not bad. That was... <laughs> but
1: yeah. yeah. So I I work pretty hard sometimes, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is okay. Yeah.
0: And what about I, I you,
1: Samira? Really,
2: mm-hmm. um, most of mine get an epidural. And like some of them are like, nope, I don't want to feel any pain. And immediately want the epidural. But yeah. I think well, there's this stigma around birth where people are afraid. They hear yeah. hard stories about like, it's going to tear and, like, you know, it's going to be this just terrible, painful experience. Um, but when I think about, like, systemically giving birth in a hospital, and this goes back to your previous question, systemic racism and what is taught to our providers and how they treat us, I'm afraid, too. And if there's a chance you're going to hurt me, then maybe, you know, this epidural right. is going to be I- You know, you don't know what you don't know. So if if I'm not, then I don't even know. Whatever you're doing is whatever you're doing. And I'm not going to know. Right. And so I think that, like, they're so afraid that they're just like, immediately, let's get the epidural. I have some people who embrace pregnancy and they're like, no, I want every experience. Right. I personally was one of those people. And I was like, nah, because if if this epidural don't work, I'm going to be pissed. So I don't want it. I'm not about to risk it. And I didn't. And it's a terrible thing when you get induced and you don't have drugs. However, I still would choose to not have an epidural. Yeah. I get to, I'm in more control. If I get the epidural, they are in control. And I can say, or you know, but I think that a lot of it is fear. So most people are so afraid of birthing that they're just like, no, numb me up, knock me out. Let's get it done.
0: Yeah, you know, you hear that. You never see anything in the movies or on TV and TV shows where somebody has a beautiful birthing experience. They're always (laughs) screaming screaming bloody murder and wanting to kill their partner and, you know, all of that nonsense. And I think back, I think one of the first women who came out um, talking about unmedicated birth in the celebrity world was Demi Moore or Demi is that her name? Yeah, Demi Moore. Yeah. Um she was on the cover of a magazine wearing a bikini, showing off her belly. We've never done such a thing before. Oh and you know, and she had these beautiful unmedicated births. I think she was at home too, and it was just like I think everybody was like, "Wow, maybe this can be done." But um of course, I'm not discounting Ina May Gaskin and all those people who've worked or uh to help women birth uh, without drugs uh, but it's some ta- sometimes it's the celebrity look. So are mm. there celebrities out are there black celebrities like helping cuz I know like you know I I like to use celebrities to encourage people to breastfeed, you know like look, Beyoncé's doing it. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean something like that. What it, what the poster I had of um Michael Jordan, his mother said he nursed for three three years and she credits uh, breastfeeding for how good he is at basketball. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Are there any celebrities do, doing anything for childbirth in the black community?
1: Well, I know Celine, Selena Williams, right? Selena, Oh, Williams. oh yes. The, the tennis player, she did bring lots of awareness to the infant mortality rate, you know. Yes. Yeah. So, um right and um and that was a big thing you know and yeah a lot of people like even people who who call, they called me like oh my god isn't that what you do in your work and I'm like yeah and they're like yeah she almost died I was like I know that was a big thing so it kind of woke some people up yeah
3: and I think a lot of people I've i you know read about it and I'll come home and I'll tell my husband and I'll tell my their friends and and, and they like they almost don't believe me when I say you know that these statistics of you know black women and mortality and childbirth and they're like really like I don't think everybody knows how, it, how real it is. is yeah and I and I think you can you know I say maybe within you know just being a lactation consultant I've seen it just working with black women Um, you know, who are, you know, in the ICU for three days because their, you know, blood pressure is so high. And then they send them home with no meds. And, you know, her partner's like, we were back in the hospital within 12 hours. And and it's just like, what? Like, it's just mind boggling. But I don't think people know it is as bad as it is. And it's, you know, having people like a Serena Williams or, or... both of you just letting people know is is really important because it's almost unbelievable, you know, that it's yes. the which it is, and I think people go, "Oh, that, that's not true." I'm like it is, like, it I'm
2: really like arguing is with people, true. like it really is. I swear. Like, yeah. yeah. What? It's yeah. hard to believe because there's no reason for it to be true, right? Mm-hmm. right. Exactly. The there's no reason for it to be true, and then it makes that's it obvious what is happening right and that's hard to explain like yeah we're afraid to get care to go into the hospitals because they're not going to listen anyway so right wasting my time (laughs) yeah yeah oh sorry about it was a crazy
1: time around I remember the pandemic and that's I had just became a doula I probably had about five or six births at the time and then everything shut down and all of the clients that I had at the time were like, are we gonna have this baby at home? What are we gonna do? They told me I couldn't come in for my OB appointment. All my my birthing classes are, are canceled, and it was just a really scary time. Um, and nobody was given information and yeah, that that was something else. But thank goodness we made it through. And I had I remember my first um Patient was. Uh... I'm sorry, y'all. Um, you want to have to edit this part, Colette? Okay. <laughs> um, it, it was just, it was just a scare. It was a scary. I just remember that. Um, and I'm sure it was scary for everyone. I mean, black, white, you know. But yeah, let's move on. From... Better not put this one in there.
0: You don't want to talk about it. Why don't you tell us about one of the best experiences that you've had? They're both silent. This is not good. No, no, no. no. I, no I'm thinking because I had
1: the best uh, experience. Well, not the, it, it was amazing. I had these two young people. They were 15. They were married. They were married. They were Muslim. They were married. Still are married and they were the. they were so young they were so mature at the same time but still very young and it was just like I was hanging out with my little brother and sister in the birth room and he was comical he made me laugh so much and um he joked at one point that he was going to you know, put a pull a prank on the docs that the baby was born. He wrapped up a sweatshirt and the <laughs> he swaddled a sweatshirt. I was like, don't you dare go out there. They are not going to like you. But, um, <laughs> but all they had a, a beautiful birth. Unfortunately, in the process, she did get an epidural, and the person who was administering it was a little shaky. I don't understand. His hands were shaking, and I was so annoyed for her she was in so much pain he had to stick her three times for the effort and there and there's that part I was going to talk about like some of the mistrust that comes from getting an epidural and it not working and you feeling everything that happens sometimes you know and this person I'm like I don't if she was my daughter I don't know what I would have done to him because he was just not doing it correctly and I was like where's your boss and then found out he was a student and I didn't. Oh, I was so upset. But she, you know, that was difficult. She ended up getting the epidural, didn't go well. But all in all, they had a beautiful baby and they were just great. And they recently called me because they're pregnant again. Okay. With the baby, Yay! And they want me to support them. And I was like, of course, I will. Favorites.
0: That's great. That's great.
2: So for me, I mean, and it's up. not as like it's not even like a bubbly, but like for honestly, for me, my best experience is when the patient goes through this and they are not traumatized. Like everything goes in a way where they are not traumatized, and they are able to be happy that baby is here, and they're always happy. But I've seen and had some experiences where the trauma is so great that they don't even get to enjoy their golden hour. And so if my patient has a baby and they are happy, they are calm, and even to me, like if I can see the trauma that they don't even know exists, uh-huh. it's okay. It's okay. But if they do not feel traumatized, we had a great day. <laughs> That's <is Yeah>. true. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Yeah, it's interesting. I think fear is a big thing, and why doulas are so important. And I, I hope someday that this is all covered through insurance, and everyone can have a doula. Because who? Everybody should have one. It, I mean, especially with your first child, and you don't know what's going on. You hate to question healthcare professionals because. If you don't do what they say, you're, fe- you're fearing for your baby's life. And, you know, you've been carrying this child. And you want this child or you want it alive. And, well, you'll do anything they say. Um, So it's a little, I think it's such a good thing to have in the world. Yeah.
3: And I, one thing that I, you know, when I first, you know, heard about doulas, it was a while ago, I mean, years ago. I think what people think a doula is, is you're, your support person. So, like my my husband was my my support person and my. But I think people think that's what a doula is—that you're there holding the leg and telling them to push, and like that's all that they're you're there for. They're not. I don't think everyone is as educated as to what exactly a doula does, um, because it is more than you you know being that su- just a support person during the birth. Like, there's so much more before. And there's so much more after. And there's so much more, like Colette said, just being that person to advocate and and, and, and explain things and, and question things when things need to be questioned. Because, again, my partner, he didn't know why we were giving formula again. You're just like, well, that's what they said to do. Um, so I think people are learning more now what a doula is and what they do. And I think it'll make it uh, better just knowing exactly what you do.
0: What does, what does your postpartum care include? Do you do any visits, <laughs> like at home visits afterwards?
2: Mm-hmm, yeah. So they get home visits and, you know, a lot of times mom has a baby and then everybody's like baby, baby, baby. So we are taking care of mom. We will help with baby, but we are making sure that mom is taking care of herself. She is getting some self-care and she is eating and staying hydrated. And she is getting a moment of peace to herself because it's easy to like forget about yourself, especially with a new baby. So we are there and we are reminding, you know, did you eat today? How much did you eat? Anything that you ate is going to be amazing. It doesn't even matter what you ate. As long as you ate. Have right. you had any water? Did you have any tea? Did you get five minutes to yourself? Can you get five minutes to yourself? Have you showered? Mm-hmm. Some doulas offer packages w- with like self-care kits or like meal prep. Let me bring you lunch. What would you like for lunch? How can I treat you? How can I make this easier? While I'm here, what do you need? You need me to hold the baby so you can go cry in the closet or scream on the Whatever yeah. you need to do. Yeah. What do you
3: need,
2: Mom? Yeah. Which is and also helping them establish a support
1: um, in place for them. Like your your family members, your you know your friends. Can they help you? Um, it's okay to reach out for help. You know, letting them know because you know also in the Black community, you know, we're not always used to reaching out to people and asking for help because we always feel like we have to be everything you know, for ourselves, and sometimes people don't want to help you, you know, or I'm not talking, I'm not speaking to that person right now, or whatever the case may be, you know, we try to say, you know, can you ask this person for help? Can you, um, your mom, and if they don't have support, I'm there helping them wash some dishes, maybe putting a load of laundry in, you know, Those are things I would offer, you know, everybody is different based on what, you know, they have going on in their lives. So I do help with those things, um, helping them eat. I have made a meal or two for someone um, just because I knew they didn't have anything, you know, Um, and that's part of what I would do. I I basically detail people based on their needs.
0: Yeah, I used to do postpartum doula work um, before I was a lactation consultant just because, we didn't have, like, clinical opportunities, so it's was like, how do I get my hands on babies? <laughs> and how do I get some practice helping with breastfeeding? Um, and I found it really rewarding. And it was, as a mother of three, I know how to run a household, and I'm pretty efficient at it. And so, like, start the dinner, throw in a little laundry, grab a baby, <laughs> you know, let the mom nap, hop in the shower, yes. you know. Um, and even though it was you know, it it was, it was really rewarding and they were so grateful just to have that. And sometimes your partner doesn't know what to do and, or family members, they just want to come and hold the baby and you're like, I always encourage people to put a list on their refrigerator of all the things that need to be done, like scrub my toilet and stuff that you may not want to go and ask somebody, but like, Oh, could you check the list on the fridge? (laughs) pick anything (laughs) right
1: Schools also support partners as well you know yeah we help them help their partner right Uh, yeah and that's important mm -hmm, letting them know that this is a a trying time you know she just had a baby um letting him know how he could be supportive um or he or she can be supportive it's and a transition also... for
0: the partner too you say know, it's a transition for the partner too
3: yes and that too yeah um, and like i said sometimes they just don't know what to do uh-huh. and so if you can just kind of put it in their ear like you know what what to expect you have this person who is physically their body has changed emotionally, mentally, they've given birth. Like there's all of this that goes with it and kind of just giving them a heads up of like, what is typical? I don't want to say normal, but you know, listen, she might be a little weepy at times when she sees the baby and this is why and and explaining that so they don't go, Oh God, what's wrong with her? Why is she crying all the time? You know, just some people, partners are very oblivious to what's going on and just kind of enlightening them to what exactly they could do to help and support them because okay. sometimes they just don't they want to help they just don't know what to do
0: it's part of the doula training like recognizing signs of postpartum depression yes and yes. having resources available for the families yes yes awesome because you do how many i'm sorry how many postpartum visits do you do, usually do About four or five five yeah so you're there Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. frequently enough to be able to spot something that's lingering a little longer than it should. So that's great. Uh, Louisa, do you have any questions? How about, oh, I have one more. What about burnout? Do you get any burnout? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I had this
2: one induction. And so this is the thing about inductions. Like sometimes babies don't want to come and they do what they want. Babies are going to come when they want to come. And this baby was 37 weeks and not at all trying to get here. And so I was there for 48 hours, and the baby still had not come. And I was like, listen, I'm going to have somebody. I'm going to tag someone in, and they're going to come support. And they end up being there for 20-plus hours before the baby came. So burnout was very much real. And I was like, I'm going to take I need – nobody called me. (laughs) Nobody called me. I lived in a hospital for
0: two days. I just – Mhm I, <laughs> I need a nap. I need a nap. I yeah. need one a bit.
1: That's very typical. I would sometimes I would go nap in my car, and have my phone at my ear just in case because family was like six centimeters pushing seven for hours, and I'm like, all right, something's got to happen, you know. So I, I, depending on the situation, I I gotta stay there because sometimes I'm going home. Like, all right, it's every, you're five centimeters. And I got home, made a meal. And then they're like, she's dead call. She's nine centimeters. I'm like, all right, <laughs> and I'm back at the hospital. So,
0: <laughs> so but that, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's another question is like, I, I was very interested in the birth doula avenue because it, it intrigued me, um, but you, you gotta be on call like all the oh, time. Wait. So yeah. how yeah. do you do that? And I know you both have children. How do you have the flexibility to do this birth doula gig? <laughs> a village. A village. Yeah. If I have
2: the funds that is due, I am putting out fillers. Listen, I might have a birth coming up. Are you available? What are you doing today? And I have learned to have the foresight to say, okay, I don't need to go to the hospital right now because you're going to be a while. And like after, so like after like five centimeters, I'm there. So I'm not going to leave because I've had someone go from five to nine in 10 minutes. Right. It can happen very quickly. Mm -hmm. But I'm putting in, putting out my fellas. I'm like, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z, this person will have my son and you can pick him up and just putting people in place. I could not do it without my village.
3: Yeah. Because
2: birth happens any, any time I had someone go in the other night. I have a, thank God, I have a cousin that lives down the street. And I was like, listen, I got to go to the hospital. Could you come sit? (laughs) For a couple hours, yeah, I okay, but I need to go check in, and yeah. it was wonderful because they came, I left, and then I came back.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it has got to
1: be agree. Okay, but all all of that definitely a, a village, and um, and some people, and I had a, at the time I had a, a partner that was helping with you know I was able to do like five births a month. But then I I was getting burned out a bit, so I was like, yeah, one or two, one at the top and the bottom. That's how I used to do it.
3: Yeah, Um,
1: that's a lot. And yeah, yeah. So I I learned to navigate, and like Samira was saying, like you you know when to go to the hospital, like not you know when you're, and we do a lot of virtual supporting too. Like we you know when the time within a couple of weeks, I'm expecting to get phone calls and and text, like, this is going on with me, or I feel this. And I'm like, all right, call your OB if it's, you know, um, something out of my scope, and then we can talk about it. Or, you know, that's how. And then I go to the hospital when they're in and, you know, trudging along, especially if it's an induction, because you really can't physically be somewhere for three whole days. You know, and then there's backup support. Samira's always my backup doula, not that I had to call her yet. (laughs)
0: Um. yeah I see a lot of doula groups that you know it's a group of five and they'll back each other up if necessary because they have to have that yeah Um, yeah so what do you think about the future of doula care do you see it changing do you see more of a desire for it
2: I I am hoping to see a desire for it. Um, I think there are, like, two groups of people. One is like, yes, doulas, we love them. And the other one is like, no, we hate them. But usually the group that hates doulas do not understand what we do. I am here to help you. I will get ice. I can't, whatever, you know, these are little things that you don't even need to watch. I can help it to the bathroom. You mm-hmm. could go do something else.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and so they don't
3: Very misunderstood, see, I think.
2: like. You vibe- know very uh, but, but I think going forward, there will definitely be
0: a change because we are valuable. Mm-hmm. Samira, right. just dang it. I am valuable. All right, here's here's the big question: Which do you like better, doing doula work or lactation work?
3: <laughs> dun, dun, dun.
2: You no know,
0: what? let me say that, Colette, working
2: at the BRC at <laughs> Temple has been a tremendous help because they know who I am. And so when I am there as a doula, yeah, last birth, the nurse put her gloves on and I put my gloves on too, because she wants to breastfeed. I'm here already. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you're gonna... Well, excuse me. And she went That's back. Great. The mm-hmm. yeah. So they work hand in hand. And being at Temple just makes... It just flows, because these are where my people are delivering and the nurse knows
0: I am here to help. That's great. Yeah, so Samira... So, so the Breastfeeding Resource Center provides all the lactation work at Temple. Samira and Sarah work for us at Temple as lactation consultants. Yet the doula work sometimes puts them into Temple um, <laughs> at the same time, so they uh, really get to know you, which is great. Labor and delivery really does need to get to uh, know you guys and um, to utilize us more there. But um, that's wonderful. I'm glad. It, I'm glad that's helpful. <laughs>
1: yeah they definitely go hand in hand i can't say i like one more than the other i would honestly say for because my workload has changed i don't get to do as much birth uh, work as i have but more lactation it's it's easier it's less time consuming but i'm yeah i have a couple of births coming up and i am excited about them because i haven't been in the birth room in a minute since march was my last baby
0: yeah, I found when I started doing more non-clinical work, I really enjoyed the days I was doing the clinical works because it wasn't hardcore day in, day out. <laughs> Do you have any advice for aspiring doulas? And where can people get their training?
1: Hmm. I My advice for aspiring doulas is, is really know what you're getting into I feel like this job um is so um it's very deep it's like you really have to want to support a person giving birth having all of the feelings all of the pains all of the the sometimes family drama you have to be able to and take all of that on um so you have to know that this is what you want. Like, I, I've seen a lot of doulas who take clients, but then I show up as a backup because that client never picked up the phone. So it's like, you got this cool training and you know all this cool stuff about, you know, helping people through birth, but are you going to do it? You know, you have to be willing to support these moms. You can't just think it's a gimmicky job. Like, oh, that's a cute job, a doula. You know, uh, no, this is what... <laughs> that's really cool. So it's, it's some serious work. You have to be able to be empathic and supportive. You have to know how to be, you know, um, basically one social worker without being trained in social work. Yep. You know, it's, it's a lot,
3: it's a you lot. to find with your families, which I, I, this is a really silly question, but I always talk about, you know, labor and delivery nurses. I don't know how I wouldn't cry at every single birth because, <laughs> It's got to be the most emo. Like it is. I've been with a friend and my sister in law um, when they gave birth, and it was just the most unbelievably magical moment that I want to do every single day. But like, like I think it would be so hard not, because you're meeting these these people and you're getting to know them, and you're part of their life, and you're there for this most amazing moments of their life. Do you just like ball your eyes? (laughs) Right yes i it. do like, i don't know how i would not yes i do i'm professional birth- or not i don't know yeah
1: i remember so many times yeah and i yeah. love every minute of it you know i feel all the feels when that baby head is crowning are you kidding oh, me amazing listen I mean, i've cried
3: in lactation there.
1: we are almost there <laughs> i i'm tearing up now because it's just so amazing and, and yeah. beautiful and and I get to experience it with these people who I am now their auntie, you know yeah yeah they're support and they thank me so much for being there right I mean they may have called me some names yeah, right. <laughs> or like don't touch me right now, okay but when that baby you know they're like, we did it, we did it, we couldn't have done it without you. oh my God, are you kidding
3: me yeah, yeah it's gotta Nobody be amazing
1: yeah. it's so
3: amazing yeah my 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 breasts fill up. Yeah, <laughs> like we say that at the BRC all the time. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm gonna let down, and it's it's been 19 years since I've had a baby, and I'm gonna let down in the second <laughs> of these little crying <laughs> babies, and you're just like, oh God, that, that, uh, go. the oxytocin release is real. <laughs> it, it very much is, and you know, I've I've cried in consults with moms who've been working so hard. You know, and these families that are doing all of these things and like they get that baby to latch and they get all the milk and mom's crying. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like crying with them because, you know, I they're like, oh, we could have done it without you. I'm like, oh, you you did the hard work. I just told you what to do. But it's just so amazing to be a part of that. And I can't imagine how cool that's got to be.
0: Well, that's another question. Since you're both lactation consultants, also is uh, do you have a high breastfeeding rate with your families that you work with in the doula world? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. so most of them. That's great. Okay. Yeah, that's wonderful. because they're being supported, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we give them the extra push. It is very.
2: It's an amazing, amazing experience. Like Louisa was saying, like being in the room. It is so, they're always grateful, but like you did the work and this is, the blessing is mine. Thank you for allowing me to be a yeah, part of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And so holding on to that and then like, and you're going to breastfeed so I get to stick around a little bit longer and look at, this is just a successful day and right. you're going to do this amazingly well too. So yeah.
3: yeah. Absolutely. That's and you great. have these, their, their, their attention prenatally that you can kind of plant the seed with breastfeeding, where I think a lot of women don't have that, you know, like, oh yeah, you should breastfeed. And they just go about their day and having your knowledge as lactation consultants and as doulas really explaining to them all the benefits for them and their babies. And you've kind of like planted the seed even more so, which is great.
0: Now, do most of them start wanting to breastfeed or is it your education and support that may mm, lean them towards that direction?
2: Both.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely depends. And I feel like the flip side of that is families that don't necessarily want to breastfeed, but they know my background. And... (laughs) Think I'm the police, and they're just like, I gave the baby a, a bottle before. Mm-hmm. I'm
3: like, calm down. I'm not. I say, good school. job feeding your baby. Yes. I say good. that all the time. Great yes. job. Yeah, so funny. <laughs> so
1: there's that, but um, ultimately they 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 find you know when I tell them, oh yeah, I'm also an IBCLC, and they're like, oh great, because I wanted to breastfeed. So yeah.
0: you know, most of the time,
1: I have a very, definitely a very high breastfeeding rate
0: great That's great yeah you guys you're definitely a positive influence i'm sure in these families lives. <laughs> any closing thoughts anything you'd like the listeners to know more about being a doula
1: um as far as training is concerned there are lots of places that train for free like you mentioned pals um uh, i don't know a whole lot about pals uh they are a volunteer. So that's how, a good way to get your feet wet.
0: Ooh, I didn't realize that. Okay, so pals, yeah. they, you Starting volunteer. Out,
1: they're,
0: they, I think eventually you get
1: paid, but don't quote me because um, I'm not 100%. Um, but I do know Maternity Care Coalition, who I have worked for for years, um, they have a doula training. As a matter of fact, I helped a very good friend of mine uh, who when I was doing centering at Einstein um, as part of my clinicals for lactation, she was a health educator there. She since left Einstein, but then hit me up a couple of years later and was like, I'm going to be a doula. And I was like, all right, I, I got you on my radar. So whenever I found there was a doula training, Maternity Care Coalition offers free doula trainings. They have um, a, a fall session and a spring session. Um yeah. And they now have Montgomery County. So she got trained in the Montgomery County. uh, They had their first graduating class this past weekend. And I was there to support her and it was amazing. And she, um, there was a very large class and she can support in Montgomery County and Philadelphia area. So it it was great. So that is definitely a resource. Yeah,
0: in our Um, area. And then Dona, right, is the other. yes. Is there another one? Um, Ancient Song is one. Okay.
1: Uh, Dona uh, um, an Ancient Song, they certify. So they're a little more expensive. Uh, one thing about doula work is you don't have to be certified to work as a doula. You have to have training. So when you go into the hospital, they may ask for a training certificate or a contract that you may have with the agency. Um or your just your credentials period, but it doesn't, you don't need an actual uh, certification. So uh-huh. training as long, you know, and training is very, um, very thorough because you have lots of times we have to do research and book reports and things, and we have to also attend births and yeah. like, sessions
0: for trainings. Do they set that up through the training that how yes, you get to, they do. And- yes, they, um, So I want to add
2: to what Sarah said about being a doula. This is heart and hands work. So if you are thinking about being a doula, remember that is heart and hands work. That means sometimes there's going to be some free labor because you are on call and because these people have questions, questions that you would think they would not have, but they do. And also remembering to take care of yourself as a doula so that you can show up for your people the way they need you to. You
0: have to show up for yourself also. Beautifully said. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks Thanks. Samira and Sarah for joining us today. I love hearing about your work and it's obvious that you both are ridiculously passionate about it. (laughs) Very much so, right? (laughs) Thank you. And I love it. And that's all for today. So this is Colette and goodbye from Louisa. And we'll see you next time. Bye. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Feeding Frenzy. The BRC is a nonprofit organization committed to providing expert clinical and educational breastfeeding services. Find out more about us at breastfeedingresourcecenter.org.